Now, I want to share with you something this morning that's really been uh, challenging me. I want to weaponize you for victory. That's what I want to weaponize you for victory. We have an example, um, you know, in the Word. In 1 Chronicles chapter 16, let me give you a little bit of history of this passage of Scripture. This is one of the primary passages that explains, it gives you an understanding of the tabernacle of David. Um, It's very significant, and I'm going to show you why in just a minute, but the history is that uh, David, the Ark of the Covenant had been taken. Um, David and others went to bring it back, and this is the time that, um, you know, Uzzah reached up and touched the side of the, of the ark and, you know, cost him his life. So they took the ark to Obed-Edom's house, who just happened to be a, a, a Levite of the Levitical order, and left it there for a while. Basically, I'm sure David was seeking the Lord, trying to figure out what in the world do we do now. His heart was, we've got to have the presence of God. We've got to have the Ark of the Covenant among us. We cannot do anything, go anywhere without the presence of God. God had begun to reveal to him over time uh, that his ability, his place to be able to experience the presence of God, be in the presence of God, was obtainable by faith. This is why David uh, decided, okay, we're going to go get the ark. Went to Obed-Edom's house, got the ark, gathered the nation together, the priest, the praisers, the worshipers, everybody. They had a big celebration. David comes dancing into town. This is the time that he's dancing and, you know, with just his loincloth on and he's just praising God. Now, can you imagine this? This is the king of the nation. I know you don't want to think, let's don't think about it in light of President Biden, but, you know, this is the king of the nation. He, he is just going crazy, praising and worshiping God. And the Bible shows us that his wife looks at him and sees him acting this way. Remember, one of the meanings of the word praise is to act like a madman. It literally is what it, what it means. So David's acting like a madman, insane, crazy for God, so to speak. His wife sees it and she de- despises him in her heart because she is more interested in what people are thinking about what her husband is doing, the king, you know, and breaking protocol and all of these other kinds of things than in really giving praise and glory and honor to God. So they bring the ark in, and in 1 Chronicles chapter 16, it begins to set the place of order, where David sets in order the ark of the covenant. And you've got to understand this. This is The ark of the covenant used to be in the temple of Moses, the tabernacle of Moses, at this particular point was about eight to nine miles away from where David had built a tent to house the ark of the covenant. Now, 
the ark was in the Holy of Holies. Nobody got to see the ark. Nobody got to be around the ark in the tabernacle of Moses. But David builds a tent, brings the ark to set it in the tent. And this is his first order of business when he sets it in a tent. Verse 4, 1 Chronicles 16. He appointed some of the Levites as ministers before the ark of the Lord (coughs) to celebrate which means to record and remember, to thank and to praise the Lord God of Israel. So think about this. He's got a tent set up. It was not that big. They bring the Ark of the Covenant in there. The first thing that David does is he sets some of the Levites in a particular place. And this is what their job and their responsibility is going to be 24-7. Working in shifts, seven days a week, constantly. This is where we get the mindset of the tabernacle of David, restoring the tabernacle of David. This is one of the key things for us to understand. So David sets it in order. He says, okay, we're going to have those who will celebrate. Meaning, those who will record so that we can remember everything that the Lord has done for us. Which should cause us to celebrate. That's what he's saying. We're going to have people appointed. Your job, your responsibility administratively is going to be write down everything that the Lord has done for us. Bring to our remembrance all the time in the tabernacle of David everything that the Lord has done for us. So that we can remember it. That's us going somewhere. The next thing is those who will give thanks. And what kind of like? Give thanks. Okay, great. Thanks. Thank, thank you, Lord. <laughs> no, this is, a, this is a word, yada, that actually literally means to throw down, to cast down, and to shoot. It's the root word of most of the words in the Old Testament that are used for the word praise. Praise and thanksgiving are interchangeable all through the Old Testament. Translated from the same Hebrew word, yada. So we're talking about thanksgiving. What, what are we seeing here? David has got a revelation. He understands that simply thanking the Lord because you're remembering what he's done. Thanking the Lord does something in the spirit. It casts down things that oppose you in the spirit. It throws them down. It shoots them down. This is what praise does. Praise is not just some exercise that we go through because it's the Christian thing to do. Or it's the contemporary church thing to do. So we've segmented this stuff in America to where we have this thing we call worship, which is slow songs, more intimate based. That's our description of worship. That's not a biblical description of worship. Not at all. Not even close. It's not close. Worship just simply means to adore the Lord. So it includes everything that you do. We've got to quit segmenting it. 
When, when you are singing intimate songs to the Lord, you're giving praise and glory and honor to Him. You know, it's, it, it's all across the board. It's not a segmented thing. So then we have praise that we have classified as fast, more upbeat songs. Songs that you can dance to. Songs that you can shout through. And, you know, just the list goes on and on and on. We can wave the banners and do different things like that. Which, by the way, my wife is sharing in the children's church thing this morning about the banners. And she's going to be sharing the same message that I'm sharing in here. For those of you that have kids. Of how, how a, waving a banner in praise casts down and throws down things in the spirit that are opposing you. Because it's an instrument of praise. It's what Joanne was sharing with us this morning about the children. So we have celebration, recording and remembering the things God's done. We have thanks, giving thanks, thanksgiving. Praise to the Lord. Then we have praise, which is the word Hallel. And it means several things. It means to sing. It means to loudly boast. Uh, it means to flash forth light in the spirit. So I submit to you that we have a lot more to understand about the spirit world and what is actually happening in the spirit world when God exhorts us over and over and over again to praise Him. If you go through the Psalms, it's over 135 times you're exhorted to praise the Lord. You're only exhorted to worship the Lord just about 10 or 11 times. Now, I'm not demeaning worship. I'm just saying that in our mentality, you know, we don't understand that praise is worship. But it's more of, an, more of an emphasis on loudly boasting. And I'll put the emphasis on the word loudly. Boasting in the Lord. And so this is what David has set in place. And then he goes down through the rest of 1 Chronicles 16, which we'll share a little bit more of that later. And it comes to this phrase, verse 34, he says, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His faithfulness is everlasting. This is the first time this phrase shows up in the scripture. David basically releases this phrase, give thanks to the Lord for he is good and his faithfulness, his love and kindness, his mercy, all the same word, is everlasting. It endures forever. This phrase, as we're going to see this morning, endures through the history of Israel and is used to weaponize them for victory for over 150 years. One song, one line, one song. We get bored in 30 seconds. With one line in one song. <laughs> I hope you're listening to what I'm saying. This, what, I, what I'm trying to say is that we, we are still coming into an understanding of what praise and worship and giving glory and honor to God and singing and shouting and dancing and waving banners and acting like insane people, which I don't care if the world calls us that or not, you know. 
all would loudly boasting in our God, all of these different things, we're still coming into an understanding of what that means. It's not just so that we can feel good. It's not just so that we can get our workout because we didn't go to the gym this week. It's none of those reasons. The reality is, is that there is deep spiritual significance to whenever you praise and you begin to release praise to God. Things happen in the spirit all around you. The reality of it is, is that praise and all the things that it includes is a weapon in the hands of any saint. If you know how to use it. So we're going to learn how to use it this morning. In a greater measure, we, we know some, by the time I think we're, I'm kind of figuring it out a little bit, it's like the Lord just kind of opens it up a little bit more and says, nah, you, you don't, you're not, still not getting it. This phrase, give thanks to the Lord for he is good, his faithfulness endures forever. This phrase is all through the Psalms. It's used all through David's time in the history of Samuel, Chronicles, and Kings. As it's spelled out in the word. All throughout the rest of the Old Testament. This whole concept of celebrating and remembering. Recording the things that God has done. Um, you can see it in the life of the children of Israel. If you just look at it. Step, take a step back and look at it in the scripture. Why is it that the children of Israel were constantly reflecting back on. You know remember. That the Lord delivered us from the hand of Egypt. Remember that the Lord parted the sea. Remember that the Lord slew the giants in the land before us. Remember that the Lord promised us the land. And he's given us the land. And it goes on and it's like it shows up like that off and on all through the scriptures. <clears throat> Excuse me. God, God even put the feast in place for this very purpose. And I hope you can hear this. This was the purpose of the feast. So that the people could come together and they'd almost be forced in a sense to remember. They celebrated Passover. What did they remember? The Passover when the children of Israel were held bondage in Egypt and all the things that God did to deliver them. That's what they were remembering. Of course, the Bible says Jesus is our Passover. So there's a greater revelation in it. But the reality of it is, is that God knew in our humanity, in their humanity, they needed to be put in a position to remember, record it, write it down, say it, sing it, do it over and over and over again because it will build your faith. And when you come in contact with a situation that's before you, you can always reflect back on, you may look bad, but let me tell you what God did back here. And let me tell you what else God did back here. And he did this, he did this. So if he's done it before, he's going to do it again. And we seem somehow to have missed this in our praise and worship. This morning we sang two songs that talked about remembering and brought into remembrance things that the children of Israel experienced. You know that there are prophets all across the nation today in the face of what, the, what we are facing with the prophetic words about dark times, scarcity, all kinds of different things like that. And they're all making reference to the parting of a sea. They're all making reference to deliverance from the hand of the enemy. They're all making reference to all the way back thousands of years ago to an instance that happened in a moment in time. The only rendition of it we've got in our minds is Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments story. 
And I believe God wants to give us more. Help me, Lord. Get, got to get past this first verse. <laughs> give thanks to the Lord. These are the reasons. For he is good. I'm not even going to try to explain that one. I'm just going to trust you got it. I want to stay on this one. For his faithfulness is everlasting. His loving kindness is everlasting. His mercy is everlasting. It's the Hebrew word hased. And it literally means this. Gracious faithfulness to show kindness and love. Tender affection. I ran across, across a... Um, couple of quotes out of a um, study book, Dictionary of the Old Testament, I want to share with you about this word, said. This is a very important word because the faithfulness concept is in the, the place of understanding covenant. Haset, mercy is all related to covenant. It has no meaning outside of covenant. Loving kindness, listen to this, loving kindness has no meaning outside of covenant. We are, we are sorely lacking in our understanding of covenant as a whole. I would submit to you. So, Lord, help us. First one says, covenant is only actualized between God and his people in the Bible where there is hased. For it is a committed familial love that is deeper than social expectations, duties, shifting emotions, or what is deserved or earned by the recipient. More than just an inclination or emotion said incarnates itself in action. These are the first things God says to Moses. These meaning things related to the love and kindness, the mercy of God, etc. From within the cloud as he prepares to give the law to Moses the second time. The very giving of the law a second time is an act of Hased love. Indeed, the fathomless Hased love of God toward his people is meant to elicit worship from them. So in this phrase, David is very simply saying, give thanks to the Lord. In other words, lift up your voice, shout, clap your hands, dance, wave banners, you know, there is a wave offering in the Bible. For those of you that are kind of freaking out about the waving thing. There's a wave offering in the Bible. Who does that make sense to, you know? Wave and offering. Why are you doing that? Because that's one of the meanings of praise. That's one of the ways that you praise God. It's like God just has given us all of these different ways that we can praise God. So instead of just getting locked into your own little personality type of, you know, well, I just want to do this. I don't want to do that. You know, that, you know, I would encourage you to experience the full thing of what it is that God has for you in praise and worship. And as I've said it before, let me tell you, if God can get through my mechanical engineering, you know, stoic, very stoic person, I'm half German, very stoic personality and all of those kinds of things about, you know, just the way that I was raised and taught and it's all of that kind of stuff. He can get past all of that and do it in me. He can do it in you. I'm just telling you. To where you're not just locked in. I, I hate feeling just locked in. I mean, you know, 
your body may be at a point to where you're, you're struggling to actually get some, you know, high degree of movement. You might not be able to, you know, run down the backs of the chairs through the room right here. But the reality of it is, is you could do something, you know. And I would encourage you to, to start releasing praise in different ways as God could show you. You know, do it in the privacy of your own home so that you can mess up and nobody sees and nobody cares. You know, the Lord loves it. He loves it. That's why it is he loves the children doing it. Because the children don't care. They don't care. The music starts, they just start moving. You know, they're, they're just, you know, jumping all around and moving. And it's just amazing. We're, we're standing there like, you know, looking at what's going on. So God, God has a lot to teach us. And he's showing us. So let's get into some uh, practical aspects of this. We can see this great covenant love that God has for us. In 2 Chronicles chapter 20, we have the story of Jehoshaphat, which I've shared before. I want to call your attention to it again. It's very noticeable that this story in the history of the children of Israel happens 150 years after the reign of David. Okay, David reigned for 40 years, Solomon reigned for 40 years, and then about 100 to 110 years later, we have Jehoshaphat comes on the scene. He's faced with these three different armies that have teamed together, and they're coming against the nation of Judah. Jehoshaphat's the king. The Bible says that he was afraid. I mean, I'd be afraid. You would be afraid. But what does he do? He seeks the Lord. He denied himself the permission to be afraid. Oh, hear me. He denied himself the position to, permission to be afraid and decided to seek the Lord. So he sought the Lord, called for a fast, called all the nation together, and then he began to pray and he began to cry out to the Lord. And he began to, if you read his prayer, he's remembering, he's calling to remembrance. Can't you see that that's what that is? And God says, remind me of my word. You know, do, do we honestly think that God has forgotten anything? I mean, you know, I, I used to wrestle with that. I said, this makes no sense. Well, it's because I, I was not sense. I didn't have much sense in that situation. The reality is God's wanting you to do, remind him of his word so that you would remember it. Jehoshaphat's re recalling all of these victories. Lord, certainly you've given us victories over giants and you've given us victories in the land. You know, certainly you will move on our behalf in this whole situation. And as they're doing this, the Spirit of God falls on a Levite, not a prophet, a Levite. And the Levite stands up and basically declares that the Lord is with you. You are to take your army and station them. The Lord is going and not fight. The Lord is going to fight for you. That's all they said. You know, my mind immediately goes to, well, how are we going to do this? Exactly where is this army supposed to be? You know, I started thinking of, they didn't do that. You know what Jehoshaphat did? Here's the king, the king of all of Judah. He starts consulting the people. Let's read it. Second Chronicles 20, verse 21. When he had consulted the people... He appointed those who sang to the Lord and those who praised him in the beauty of holiness, meaning they were set apart to do this. 
as they went out before the army, literally as the face of the army, and they said, Give thanks to the Lord for his faithfulness is everlasting. Here's the same phrase again, 150 years later. Now you've got to get this. They've heard the word of the Lord. God has spoken to them and he's told them exactly what it is that they're to do. Except that the exactly just didn't have a lot of detail in it. And so Jehoshaphat consults the people. So this is, this is the point I want you to get. This phrase and what it means to give thanks to the Lord, remembering all of his covenant faithfulness in the past and his gracious covenant faithful love towards us for all of time, remembering that in the face of the situation that they're about to come into. Somehow or another, this phrase, even though the tabernacle of David was in tatters at this particular point, was still resident in the heart of the people. Generations later, this had been passed down into the people over and over again. People in the tabernacle, in the temple, they were proclaiming it. We'll see in a minute in Solomon's temple. Give thanks to the Lord for His loving kindness, His faithfulness, His mercy is forever. So, obviously the people told him, this is what we need to do. We need to appoint the praisers, the singers... Put them in front of the army. Let them be what the enemy sees first. The face of the army. Send the army out together with them. Now we're talking about them going for miles. So Jehoshaphat tells them to do it. And he says this. He says, you are to say. And the word literally means to command. So here comes our declarations and decrees. Okay. Command this. In the spirit, declare this to our God and to all of creation. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithfulness endures forever. So here's the thing. This, this phrase, I don't want to spend much time on this. This phrase sets up the enemy for destruction. Because it declares in the spirit world, it basically is declaring to the enemy, you don't know God and you're not serving God. Bow your knee, give thanks to God, or His faithfulness to His covenant is going to take you over. So it's, it's not just that they're just kind of reciting the line of a song that they all like to sing. You know, they started out marching, the praisers and singers going before them. I mean, you've got to get a picture of this. I'd, I'd love to make a movie. The guy that made The Lord of the Rings, he could make a really good movie out of this, I'm going to tell you. You know, here they are. They start out just saying it. This is what I want you to get. This is how you can practice it in your life. They started out saying it. Give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness endures forever. Now, as they're saying that, they're going to start remembering. Okay, his loving kindness. So what has he done? You know, he's delivered me from this. You know, for me. He's delivered me from a heart attack. He delivered me from the throes of death. I literally felt the, the spirit of death squeezing me. In the back of an ambulance on the way to the hospital. You know, God deliver me. I can think back on that. Think back on that. Think back on that. The ch these children of Israel at this particular point, the nation of Judah, they've got all of these representatives for them. 
going out, and it's just the, some of the praisers and singers in the army, most all of the people are left back in Jerusalem. They're still fasting and praying. So here they are. They go out, and they start saying it. They start commanding it. And you know how it is when you get on something, and God starts touching it, and it starts something happening. Something's happening in the spirit. You keep on, keep on. Then it says that they began to sing it. They began to praise with it. And as they continued to do it and they kept going and kept going and kept going towards the enemy. They come up over the hill and they see there on the bluff, the opposite bluff, all of the enemy and nobody's moving. They stationed the army behind the praisers and the singers, just like the prophetic word said. They did not have to fight because the Lord fought for them and won the battle. All they did was give thanks to the Lord, remember his faithfulness. And what did that do in them? It put the faith in their heart that they needed. There's lots of ways to build faith, but there's no greater way, in my opinion, than to remember, okay, God did this. God did this for this person so he can do it for me. God healed this person, he can heal me. God delivered this person, he can deliver me. This is what God did in their hearts. So pressing on in the Lord. What was happening was that as they were praising on the way, they were not even aware of it. Uh, I can only imagine some of their emotions floating around. You know, these army guys, you know, they're kind of like, okay, we're just obeying the Lord here, you know, but we just hope the Lord's really going, Jesus, I mean, not Jesus, but Lord, you're really going to have to come through here. I mean, haven't you been in a situation like that? You're really going to have to make it happen. So what happens is a principle that is, I think the foundation of the tabernacle of David, Psalm chapter 22, verse 3. Where it says, the Lord sits, he rests, enthroned on the praises of his people as a judge in ambush. That's literally what it means. He sits... On the praises of his people as a judge in ambush. Now, the last part of the verse. After the phrase, give thanks to the Lord for his loving kindness, his faithfulness is everlasting. And when they began to sing and praise, the Lord set ambushments against the enemy. So all they did was praise and glorify God. Just thank the Lord, remembering all the things that God has done for them. You talk about trusting the covenant. You talk about growing in faith and facing the biggest situation of destruction, possible destruction that the nation of Judah had ever faced up to that particular point. And they're just praising God. And the army is just going along. They're just marching along. They're, re- they're getting ready to fight, even though they were told they were not going to have to fight. I mean, you can imagine their army, their warriors. They're ready to fight. And they get up over the hill. What's happened? The scripture even talks about how the Lord 
cause confusion to come into the camp, turn two of the tribes against one another, and then turn the other one against the winner of that one. God had them all just kill one another. How did he do it? It doesn't matter. While these people were praising God, lifting up the name of the Lord, they were flashing forth the light of the glory of God. It was going before them, and God was out there casting and throwing down the enemy before they even got to where the enemy was camped. Now, let me give you a modern-day example of, of this and how this has happened in our nation. And I hope you haven't missed it. Years ago, there was submitted in court in the state of Mississippi, which is where I'm from, uh, a court case uh, dealing with the issue of abortion and the timing of abortion. So it worked its way up through the courts. You know, here it is, people like us, many others, for years and years and years and years. I have been for 40, 45 years praying and crying out to God, picketing abortion chambers, talking to women, all kinds of stuff in order to see Roe versus Wade overturned in our nation. In this court case from Mississippi that doesn't specifically have anything to do with Roe versus Wade makes us all of its way up to the Supreme Court. All of these people like us, we've all been praying, years been praying, praising God, praying, thanking God for the victory and that type of thing. Standing in the gap, hoping for this thing to get overturned. And I personally was doing it, but I didn't know if I would ever see it in my lifetime or not. So the case gets all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Lord, who is the judge, sets an ambush in the court. And he takes two of the judges and they look at this case and they rule in favor in this case. But they take it a step further. They didn't have to. It was not on the docket to do it. It was not even in the print of the case to do it. They said, oh, if we make this decision on this case, then that means we have to overturn the federalization of Roe versus Wade. And it got overturned just like that. Now, this was a huge enemy. A huge enemy that was bringing incredible blight upon our land. Curse on the land that's un, just amazing. And God overturned it by being who He is a judge. And who would have ever thought that it would have been done through the court system? I would have never thought that. I mean, I entertained every other way from taking up arms to whatever, you know, as a possibility. I hope that doesn't bother you, but <laughs> there's another instance in Second Chronicles chapter 5, backing things up. About a hundred years in the history of the children of Israel, where the temple of Solomon is being dedicated. And the scripture tells us in Second Chronicles 5, verse 12. It says, it came to pass as the trumpeters and the singers were as one to make one sound to be heard in praising and thanksgiving the Lord. So this was their goal. This is our goal as a music team all the time. We talk about this all the time. Making one sound in praising and giving thanksgiving to the Lord. That's our heart. That's why we practice. That's why we do the things that we do. Because we want to be one sound. And Trey, thank the Lord. 
controls it all back there in the back. Helps us <laughs> to sound like one. And when they lifted up their voice with the trumpets and the cymbals and the instruments of music, and they praised the Lord, saying, saying, for the Lord is good, for his mercy endures forever. So here we have it again. This is the dedication of Solomon's temple. We've got it again. For the Lord is good, and his mercy endures forever. In other words, the Lord is good. He's always good. He's good all the time. He's always for us, never against us. If you'll just remember what he's done, then you'll position yourself to be able to receive what he has set before you. Conquer it. Get past it, whatever the case may be. And look what happens in this situation. After they said this, then the house, then, after they lifted up praise and thanksgiving with cymbals and with music and trumpets, the house was filled with a cloud, even the house of the Lord, so that the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house. Wow. The glory of the Lord had filled the house. In other words, you know, I was thinking about this this week. That we, we really try to make everything uh, too complicated. I don't know, maybe you don't. You know, that's a lot of times my tendency. I'm, you know, teacher type person and that kind of, you know, I like details. I like to figure them out and all of that. But, you know, a lot of this stuff that we're talking about, especially as it relates to the spirit world and the war we have in the spirit world, that we are destined to conquer and to win in. This is what God has purpose for us. All of us, individually, for you to, he's destined you to conquer, you know, and corporately he's destined us to conquer and to take the land. You know, he paid the price for it, so he des certainly deserves every bit of it. But it's not as complicated as we try to make it. It's not. I mean, it's almost like God saying, look, quit being human and try to figure it out. Rely on your spirit and step into what I have for you in the spirit. Because the directive is over and over and over again as you read through the Psalms. How many of them start out with, praise the Lord. You get over to Psalm 149 and you've got, it's like a, a turn of events. Now, the children of Israel have moved from a place of them being challenged to praise the Lord, they are challenging nature. Praise Him, you heavens, and all that's above. Praise Him, you angels, and all the heavenly host. They're telling all of creation to praise the Lord. Because they've learned the significance and the power of praising and exalting God. Thanking the Lord. Bringing to your remembrance all the good things that God has done. All the ways that God has come through in the past for you. Wow. So, let me get a little bit more practical here. Let me share a verse, Isaiah chapter 61. 
uh, verse 3, this is jumping into a description of um, Jesus, the coming Messiah. It says that he will grant those who mourn in Zion, giving them a garland instead of ashes, the oil of gladness, meaning joy and rejoicing and exultation, instead of mourning the mantle of praise, instead of a spirit of fainting, which means heaviness, darkness, to grow weak, to falter, to, be, to grow dim. So they will be called oaks of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified. He will give you the mantle of praise. The mantle of praise. So, think, think of this is, I really want you to get this. A mantle of praise. Remember the story of Elijah and Elisha? You know, Elisha's like, you know, I, I want a double portion. Elijah says, well, you can get it if you see me leave. So Elijah's like, okay, we're going we're gonna, to, you know, we're going to make this happen. So he didn't tell him what it was going to be. He didn't tell him anything. And it's just like prophets, you know. <laughs> they talk... <laughs> They talk all out here, and, you know, it's kind of like, look, just give me step one and two and three. Be a little bit easier, you know. That's why we have all, so we can all together, you know, make it happen. So the day comes, Elijah's taken up. He drops his mantle. Actually, it's his robe. It's just a robe that he wore all the time. It's reminiscent of the family robe that is worn by the representative in cutting a covenant ceremony. So he drops his robe. Of course, he's been wearing this robe the whole time of his ministry. So the reality of it is, is the, the anointing and the presence of God is permeating his, his garments. See, we don't want to understand much about that. You know, when the Bible even says that for those that are involved in certain levels of wickedness and that kind of thing, don't even touch the garments that they have. Elijah's anointing and, and the presence of God that was on him was all in his robe. So he drops it. Elisha takes it, picks it up, boom, parts the waters. With his robe. It's just a robe. So, how can that help us? Well, we've been given a robe. We've been given a robe. It's called the robe of righteousness. This robe of righteousness is our place of authority. That's why it is 24-7. It doesn't matter how you feel or what you think. You have it. It's there. It's a mantle that God has given you so that you can take that mantle of authority and the obstacles that face in front of you, you can strike them. And I would encourage you to strike them with praise. What did Elisha do? He praised the God of Elijah. Where is the God of Elijah? Boom! Hit the water and it parts. Now, this makes no sense to us in the natural, but see, in the, in the spirit, God has given us the robe. We have the mantle. We're clothed in it, the robe of righteousness. You're righteous whether you feel like it or not. 
You're just as righteous as Jesus is righteous. The Bible says you're just as much in a right standing with God as Jesus is because you're in Christ Jesus. When God looks at you, he's not checking out and dealing with all of your faults and stuff. He sees you through the blood of Jesus. He sees that he's given you a mantle, a robe of righteousness. He's declared you to be righteous, and he's put his righteous Holy Spirit within you so that you can rise up when obstacles are coming against you, and you can begin to release praise out of your mouth, thanksgiving out of your mouth in the face of that obstacle, and God will use it to do what? Strike down the obstacle that is before you. We spend too much time going around over here trying to figure out all these different ways to deal with this stuff that we're facing. I would just encourage you, just don't make it too complicated. Try this for a little while. You know, just start praising God over it. I had some things that came up in my life this week, and I'm like, you know, I have no clue how to deal with this, but praise God anyway. God Almighty is going to give me an answer. God Almighty is going to show me the way He always has in the past. Every situation I've ever faced that I thought was impassable, God always came through. Usually not in my timing, but it was in His timing. But it always happened. But I realized that I had to strike it with the mantle of praise. God has given you the mantle of praise so that you can Stand against heaviness, darkness, depression, discouragement. We all deal with it. With all the crazy darkness and nuts that are running around all over the face of the earth today. And all the threats about terrorist stuff and all this kind of thing. I mean, there's so much darkness out there. It's just, it's ridiculous. We don't have any choice. Instead of getting all worried about it, prepared? Yes, get prepared. I'm locked and loaded, prepared. I mean, just in case. But the reality of it is, all of this time, I am speaking and declaring and praising God, speaking His Word, declaring His promises. We heard it this morning, that God is faithful and He wants to fulfill the promises in us. He's hungering and thirsting for the fulfillment of promises in us, Because as promises are fulfilled in us, that means we have more of kingdom rule operating in our life. We can take more land. We can possess more territory. We can see more souls wanting to the kingdom of God. And in the process of it, God can deliver us from living in just our own little world, being concerned about our own little problems all the time. Second Chronicles chapter 6, this is the temple of Solomon again in Solomon's prayer. He says, Now, my God, please let your eyes be open and your ears attentive to the place or the prayer offered in this place. Now then arise, Lord God, to your resting place. Now then arise, Lord God, to your resting place. You and the ark of your might. Let the priest... Lord God, be clothed with salvation and let your godly ones rejoice in what is good. Now then arise, Lord God, to your resting place. Give thanks to the Lord for his faithfulness to his covenant, his 
faithfulness, gracious faithfulness to love and protect and watch out after us is everlasting. When the Lord sits enthroned upon the praises of his people, another word for translating that word is he rests. This is his place of rest. So you got to get this. The place of rest is the place of rulership. The place of rest is the place of rulership. How do you get there? Give thanks to the Lord because his love and kindness endures forever. God instituted the Sabbath, made it a part of the law in the Old Testament for the children of Israel to put them in a place to where they were required to do nothing. Why? So that they could give thanks to the Lord and remember all that he's done. Give thanks to the Lord. Remember all that he's done. God knows we got to work every day and go through all of these kinds of things. We can get easily distracted and get off course, etc. The revelation of the new covenant is because we're in Christ Jesus, we experience the Sabbath rest 24-7. If we understand and know that we're seated with Christ ruling in the heavenly places. And how do you get there and stay there? Give thanks to the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord. You just praise Him. You just glorify His name. Doesn't matter what you feel like. You may feel like your, earth, your world is absolutely falling apart, and it might be. You might as well just praise God. Thank God. See, the Bible says in 1 Thessalonians 5, Rejoice in the Lord always. And in everything, give thanks to Him. For this is God's will for you. This is God's will for you. Now, you're not thanking God for everything happening to you. That's weird. You're thanking God in the midst of it. Why are you thanking God? Because you've got these problems and things that keep coming to you. And you're like, okay, hallelujah, God. This is, you see this? I praise that you are the Lord of lords. You're the God of gods. You're the only one that's got the answer to solve this thing that's coming at me. So I remind you, Lord, you've done this for me. You've done this for me according to your covenant faithfulness. So you are now going to do this for me. And you would be absolutely amazed at how many prayers offered that way will get answered. All of them. All of them. It'll break heaviness off of your life. I think I've given the testimony before. I want to take just a, a minute to share it again. <laughs> Reader's Digest version. I reached a point in ministry where I was, uh, I was sinking into depression. Um, I don't know what the cause of it was, uh, but it, it, was, it was bad. I was at the point of not, not wanting to get out of the bed in the morning. I was at the point of going and sitting in my office and just staring out the window for six or eight hours, doing nothing. Didn't want to do anything. Wasn't motivated. The grace of God would come and give me something to share on Sunday morning because I surely couldn't let anybody else know 
that I was doing nothing and that I was all de depressed and discouraged because they were depressed and discouraged and they were coming to me for help. So I started, you know, so I like, Lord, what can I do? What can I do? So I started speaking the word. I started confessing the word. I started declaring the word. And I kept on. And this went on for almost over a year. Every day I would spend about an hour just seeking God. And, and it would be a moment of relief. And then psh, it would come back. I, would feel, I physically would feel it. I cast out every demon. I broke every curse. I did everything. You know, I knew all about all that kind of stuff. I had my best friend who does all that stuff with me to lay hands on me and pray about everything. I said, brother, just everything. Cast everything out. Whatever it takes. Just do it. And I never got any relief until one day when I... I just kept praising God. And I got caught up in it. I don't know any other way to describe it other than I was literally caught up in the spirit of praise. I could not stop. It took me a year to get there. But I got it. I got there. And it broke the spirit of depression, whatever all of that was on me, broke it off of my life. I have, by the grace of God, I've never had an issue with that ever again. Depression, discouragement, all of that kind of stuff. And one of the reasons is because now I know. If I feel any of that stuff coming on me, I'm like, nope, glory to God. I start praising God and glorifying his name. God is the God of gods. Everything else is a lie. He is the king, and I just start releasing praise, releasing the word out of my mouth, start praising God, singing in the spirit, just doing whatever it is that comes to me, and I just keep doing it, keep doing it, keep doing it till I get that stuff off of me. So what am I doing? I'm taking that mantle of my authority, and I'm breaking it off. Because the enemy knows this. If he can get you under it, then you're no good for the kingdom, really. You, he's got you paralyzed. You, you're not going to pray for people. You're not going to step out in faith. You're not going to be doing the things of God like he really wants you to. When you give thanks in all things, it's a weapon in the spirit that will cast down, throw down the accusations, the plans, the schemes of the enemy. It will fill your mind with good thoughts and you will begin to remember the times in the past that the Lord has delivered you and you will remember his faithfulness to his covenant that he will always deliver you. Always deliver you. Let's all stand together. I want to... I want to uh, basically just declare portions of 1 Chronicles chapter 16 over you uh, this morning as we leave. This is a very significant passage of scripture because this is David's first psalm. Psalm 1 is not David's first psalm. 1 Chronicles 16 is David's first psalm. David set the pattern. That's why... There's so much in prophetically about the tabernacle of David. David set the pattern 
for how you walk with God in victory. How do you get there? How do you keep? And then once you're there, how do you keep it going? How do you keep it progressing in your life to where you're going from glory to glory, faith to faith, strength to strength? You know, you're not taking two steps forward and then you got to take four, four or five back and you feel like you're starting all over again. This is not normal Christian life. In our American mentality, we think it's normal. It's not normal. It's not normal. God has weaponized you for victory. You have it. It's right here. It's in the motion of your body. It's whether it's waving banners, whether it's dancing, whether it's shouting, whether it's, you know, doing your own gym, whatever it is that you can do, you know, just to praise God and give glory and honor to Him. It's worship to Him. It penetrates the spirit world. It casts down and throws down the things that are coming against you in the spirit. And it may take some time, but you will not get there unless you do it. So I want to, before I declare this over, so I want to encourage you with this. I dream of the day when we, as a body of people, you know, we, we have to shut down the meeting. Because, or even better than that, we don't even have to start the meeting. You know, as you come in, you, we're just full of praising God and giving thanks and glory to Him. It's just all, all over the room. It's just everywhere. People are getting prayed for and healed. New believers or people coming in that aren't saved are getting saved because the presence of God's here. We're just shouting and clapping and glorifying the Lord. The music starts, you know, tries to get everybody's attention, but they don't care. They just keep praising and shouting God to, to the Lord. We tell you, these, those times are coming. Those times are coming. This place is so important for us to get to. In the spirit, I'm convinced, because we're facing giants that we've never faced before. And we've got to use different weapons than what we've used before. We've got to come into a different understanding than what we've had before. And the stuff that I've shared with you this morning, to a large degree, really doesn't make a lot of sense. And if you're not careful, you will just kind of blow it off as, oh, this is not really that much of a thing. You know, you're kind of looking for some other kind of weapon, so to speak, in the spirit. When the reality of it is this, God loves us so much, he's made the thing so simple. It's just like, hey, just open your mouth. Just thank me. Just praise me. Just glorify me. Just honor my name. And you just keep doing it and doing it and doing it. And he, the Spirit of God comes down and touches it. Then it changes your life. Let me declare this over you. This is what David wrote in 1 Chronicles 16. Give thanks to the Lord. Call upon His name. Make His deeds known among the peoples. Sing to Him. Sing praises to Him. Speak of all of His wonders. Boast in His holy name. Let the heart of those who seek the Lord be joyful. Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His face continually. Remember His wonderful deeds which He has done. His marvels and the judgments from His mouth, you chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Proclaim good news of His salvation from day to day. Tell of His glory among the nations. His wonderful deeds among the peoples. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. Let the heavens be joyful and the earth rejoice. And let them say among the nations, 
The Lord our God reigns. Let the sea roar in everything it contains. Let the field rejoice in everything that's in it. Then the trees of the forest will sing for joy in the presence of the Lord, for He is coming to judge the earth. Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good, for His faithfulness is everlasting. Then say, Save us, God of our salvation. Gather us, save us from the wickedness of the nations, so that we can give thanks to Your holy name and glory in Your praise. Blessed be the Lord God Almighty from everlasting to everlasting. Blessed be your name, Lord. God Almighty from everlasting to everlasting. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, Lord. Save us in this nation, Lord God, so that we can give thanks to your name and glorify you in every way. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Jesus. Oh, thank you, Lord. Woo, glory be to God. You, you just simply just going to have to do it. You know, in your home, on your way to work, I enjoy, I, I'm not getting as mad at the traffic in Atlanta as much as I used to. <laughs> oh, thank you. The Lord's delivered me. What I'm doing is I'm using that time to shout to the Lord. I mean, all those people that are around you that may be looking at you, they're doing crazy stuff too, so don't, don't worry about it. Glorifying His name. When I don't know what to say, I just sing in the Spirit to the top of my lungs. I just make up songs. I just keep praising and thanking God over situations. Saying, Lord, I, I'm a, I want to I pray for my family. And so I just start thanking God and praising God. And Lord, you've done this and you've done this. So certainly you're going to get this done. You know, and just start glorifying His name. Don't wait until it takes you a year of pressing in. Don't wait. As a house, we're not waiting. God's taking us. We're going in the name of Jesus. So I just encourage you, just release it. Give thanks to the Lord. Go back and read 1 Chronicles chapter 16 this week. Give thanks to the Lord for He's a good God. And His loving kindness, His mercy endures forever towards you and towards us. Turn to someone next to you this morning. Give them a hug. Let them know you love them and appreciate them. Hug on two or three people. Some of you guys need to get your weekly hug allowance met. Thank you so much for coming. God bless you. May the Spirit of the Lord rest on you all this week. And the blessing of God overtake you in Jesus' name.